Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Gordon Henry, Chief Strategy Officer for Thrive. And if you build valuable relationships, you should be listening to Build Your Network with my good friends, Travis Chappell and Eric Skorzynski. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. Gordon, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Thanks, Eric. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And before we get into what you're working on now, we always like to take these conversations back to the very beginning. So tell me a little bit about middle school Gordon. <laughs> what, were, what were you like during that time? Uh, what was kind of your, uh, your personality and, and idea for the future at that point? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, middle school Gordon, I was the jock. Uh, I played a lot of sports. Uh, I played football in high school and also uh, uh, basketball. And uh, but I was I was really a football player and uh, like girls and dates and all the usual things the kids like to do. But uh, I grew up on Long Island. You know, in terms of a career path, not that I was thinking about it in middle school, but <laughs> the first thing I I pursued when I got to college, outside of just going to classes, was uh, journalism. I actually wanted to be a journalist, and so that was kind of what I did. And uh, I, I wrote for my high school newspaper and I wrote for and edited my, my college newspaper. And so that was actually what I did when I got out of college. I became a journalist. Funny enough, mm. uh, after a while, uh, 
torturous past, but but I moved into the marketing world, and and, and that was how I got started. Gotcha, gotcha. What what was it that prompted that interest in journalism early on? Was it just like creative writing? Was it somebody in your family that kind of pushed that direction, or? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because my mother was was really a writer um, mm. in her own way, not, not not a famous writer, but she she did write some books. She wrote a lot of articles. She was very, um, uh, I should say, is she's ninety one now. God bless. Um, she uh, was always a big reader, and I think she imparted a lot of that on me, and that probably did in some way spark my interest in writing. The other thing I'd say was I've just always been interested in meeting people who were doing interesting things, and and the thing I realized at some point was. Being a journalist kind of gave you the, you know, the card, the the authority to go ask, you know, famous people questions. And uh, as a kid, I guess one thing I didn't mention was I, I I loved music. I played music. I played in a bunch of bands in high school, and I and I loved, you know, pop music, nothing fancy. And so as a journalist, you know, you could go interview these people in like rock bands and stuff. And I did that in high school and even college, you know. Uh, so you know, when some band would be playing on campus, I would go talk to them. I thought that was cool. So it, it did give you this license that that I guess I sort of had a kick with. That's awesome. So as far as pivoting into the marketing realm, like what prompted that decision, and and what were some of your early experiences kind of tackling uh, the topic of marketing? Yeah, sure. So um, I was writing about business uh, when I get, when I got into the journalism profession. I did a lot of writing about business, and it sparked a real interest in business. And so I started thinking more about going into business as opposed to just writing about it. And what I found about marketing that got me excited was this idea of direct marketing, where you could sort of test out an offer one day, and the next day you would know whether the thing had actually worked. I found that exciting, the immediacy of it. Of course, now everybody's a direct marketer with Google right. search ads and everything like that. I mean, that's that's like what you do. But back then, it was more like direct mail and things like that. And um, so I started actually my first uh, kind of real job was I founded a an audiobook club of all things. It was it was it was a direct marketing club for you know you probably remember music clubs, book clubs. Well, yeah. I started an audiobook club back in the '90s when there really was just it was a very tiny little niche. And uh, Columbia House backed me on the idea. They were the big direct marketer, one of the big direct marketers of the day. And we founded a direct uh, marketing audiobook club, which we ran for a number of years. Ended up selling to a competitor uh, several years later, and uh, that kind of got me started on my marketing career. Right, right. Well, you mentioned like how different it looked. And, and this is one of the funny things. And it's why I like going back to childhood with so many different entrepreneurs is that so often the jobs that we have now, I say the word jobs, like the, whatever you want to call it, our careers, mm. our, our, our businesses, they didn't even exist as a concept mm. when we get started. Like even, even for myself, like, like I think back, you know, I talk with Travis all the time and, and he was two, he's two years older than me. And just the experience of, you know, when I was getting ready to end high school, we had iPhones, you know, and when he was finishing high school, just two years before, there were no iPhones. <laughs> so it's like this very, like, that's a drastic difference in technology available in the way you do business. Like if you had said, you know, back 20 years ago, I'm going to be a social media marketer, you know, like people would have yeah. looked at you cross-eyed or a podcaster. Yeah. And yep. it's always interesting how that stuff evolves and I'm kind of curious, like bringing up to speed to today, what are some of the biggest changes that have happened since you started doing marketing and started working with promoting businesses to now? Yeah, that's really a great uh, point you bring up. And I think the way I would answer that is it, I would go back to back when I started in marketing, it was just the super early days of the internet. And so you know, most people were still very gingerly even thinking about marketing on the internet. And mostly people were using traditional media. 
And so in the direct marketing world, you know, I would say back then, direct mail was kind of the big thing. And what was so different was the amount of friction there was in the process. And that was sort of a good thing and a bad thing because today, uh, it, you know, it, pretty much any kid can start a website and do a direct marketing campaign using Google search terms. And it doesn't take very much money or very much time to do either of those if you kind of know what you're doing. Uh, but back then, if you had wanted to start a direct marketing campaign, you had to have funding, you had to work the mail process, so you had to have right. envelopes and stamps and letters that got printed. What are um, those? <laughs> yeah. And then you had to have usually like a return address and some way to that, that mail to respond, be responded to. So you had to have like a PO box or someplace to receive it. I still remember in my first direct mail or direct marketing campaigns, you know, you, you'd run down to the post office, you'd go get, get your, you know, PO box, you'd, you'd collect the mail, you had to have it open and sorted and all those things. I mean, it was, right. it was very much more laborious and friction and which sounds like a hassle. And in a lot of ways it was, but it also kept a lot of people from doing it. Whereas today the cost and the friction is so low, but it means that everybody, that's what, you know, spam. I mean, there was no spam then because there was a lot of cost involved in the process. Now everybody and his brother is doing it and, you know, it's harder and harder to stand out. Right, right. Well, that's that's one of the things I wanted to really talk to you about because I mean, this is this is a uh, we're coming out of a year where for small businesses, which is the core of your demographic, I mean, they were hit the hardest uh, by COVID and all the lockdowns and and you know marketing dollars shrunk, ability to get your name out there. Like people were going into you know the the bigger chain brands were more or less you know they were affected, but not nearly to the same extent. Um, and so you know, in a time in general where it's hard for small business to stand out, like what are, what are some of the biggest maybe mistakes or, or, you know, maybe the biggest wins you saw happen from small businesses in, in the last couple of years where they've utilized this, um, this technology or utilized ways to make their business stand out in the crowd? Yeah. Um, that's a great question, Eric. So first thing I want to maybe say is it's a, it's a little bit of a misconception to think that all small businesses were e equally impacted by COVID because it was, I think, very varied. And as you may know now, you know, small businesses in the service sector in particular did very well for the most part because so many people were home watching the paint on their walls peeling, uh, you know, watching the water leaking through their roof, uh, looking at the, uh, you know, overgrown trees in their yard and saying, honey, you know, since we're not going on vacation, let's spend that money on fixing up the house. It was the biggest year, I think, in history for people who are in the pool business. Um, most of the guys I know who are in construction or remodeling are just, they can't even handle the business. And so people who are in those service businesses, particularly home services, I don't want to say all, but many did very well uh, during the pandemic, as long as they could, you know, had workers who would come to work. But that's definitely continued today. I mean, you probably hear about sort of the shortages. I don't know if you ever have tried to get anybody to come to your house and do, you know, work on your kitchen or work on your lawn or install a pool or fix your roof, any of these things. Most of these people have more work than they know what to do with right now. And their biggest problem is getting workers, being able to handle the work. So not all sectors were impacted equally. Obviously, restaurants, hotels, yeah. anybody in the hospitality space, it was a terrible year. And of course, this is all putting aside the personal you know, tragedies of people who got sick or died, but just surely from a, a business standpoint. So from a standpoint then of, of who's handled it well and used technology and kind of made themselves you know, 
more relevant. It's really the people who've learned to communicate with their clients using the technologies and hardware that people are used to using. And it's a point I think that it really can't be stressed enough. If you if you're a business that wants to be relevant in 2021 and going forward, you have to be communicating with people on their smartphone because frankly, that's just where people live today, like it or oh. not. You have to be doing email, you have to be doing text, you have to have a CRM database, you have to be able to accept electronic payments, you have to be ask, able to ask for referrals electronically from your customers who like you. You have to be getting reviews on Google and other places. And you have to be able to do this in a sort of automated fashion so you don't have to think about it and do it manually all the time. There's just nobody, you you can't spend your day worrying about that. You don't want to hire staff to do that. You, and, and so when you have a CRM system and our company Thrive, this is basically what we do. The system does the work for you. Um, it's like having two, three, four extra employees, except for it's a piece of software. Right. And it's better because it's instantaneous and you are in control. You determine what the message is. You determine how often you want to communicate, but it keeps you organized. It keeps you communicating with your customers in a way that makes sense. You know, one of the things that clients tell me is, you know, before I had a CRM system, I had no way to track all the conversations I had with my clients. So I didn't know if they had called. I didn't know what my staff had said to them. I didn't remember what I had told them. It was written down on little sticky notes. If you have a Thrive system, all of that communication that happens electronically, at least, you have a, a basically a, a profile page for each client, and it's all all the histories in one place. So you know when they ordered, when they called, when they canceled, when they rescheduled, all those things, all the appointments, it's all there, very easy, very neat, and you you really know, uh, you know, you you've got a hold on top of your business, and you can also do talk about marketing. You can do marketing campaigns in a very automated fashion. For example, simple example, what if you said to everybody, I'm going to send out a marketing message on everybody's birthday. So Eric's birthday is whatever it is. I just put that down in my CRM database as well as the birthdays of my hundred other clients. And boom, everybody on birthday gets a 20% off, you know, call us and get 20% off on your next mm -hmm. order, if it, whatever it is, or, you know, if it's a restaurant, maybe it's a free dinner. And those kinds of things are easy to do if you've got the right system in place. And so I stress that because that's what big businesses do. You know, you think about how you communicate with Amazon, with Uber, or with Domino's. What makes those companies so good? It's not because they have sweet-sounding people on the phone. Most of them don't even pick up the phone anymore. But it's because you can order and track and receive simply, easily, and you know it's you 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 have confidence that it's going to happen. And you want to have that same confidence with the small business, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's the it's the reliability of of their service, you know, and and also too, like you mentioned, the personalization, you know, getting stuff on your birthday. Like my wife laughs at me because like there's a Pizza Hut down the street, and like they know me, like they 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 know when to send codes, like whatever their algorithm is, knows me, and they get me in there a lot, like more than I'd care to admit. And so, yeah, seeing that, seeing small businesses, and this is something I keep talking about on the show, is everybody keeps talking about, you know, when businesses go back to normal or when businesses go back to this. And I think it was more of an acceleration toward where business is going. I think it was more of a, you know, like businesses going where most of their team is online. I don't think we're going to go back to normal, both, be, both because of resistance from workers going back to an office nine to five when they've gotten the taste of working from home, mm -hmm. but also all the overhead that companies are spending to keep people in an office, they're going to start making some changes. So what I really liked about, you know, looking over Thrive is I think it's going to push and make that more realistic to where you can create a company that 
does feel like it has two or three extra employees when you may in reality only have one or two. Tell me a little bit about Thrive specifically. I know you broke down kind of broadly what it does, but how did you first get involved and what's been kind of the main mission of Thrive as you've kind of jumped on as the as the chief strategy officer? Yeah, sure. So you should know that our company uh, goes back to, uh, we've been around for a long time and for many years, our business was generating leads for small businesses, which we still do. We have we generate leads through print as well as online advertising. Uh, and that's still a very big, important business for us. But we realized about five, six years ago that this area of what we call CRM was very important for small businesses because they needed to uh, get better at it. And frankly, they needed to be able to compete with big businesses like we're talking about, that they were losing out, that the you know, the personal touch that you thought you had with a small business, it was actually in a way becoming an advantage for the big businesses because they knew more about you and communicated with you better than many of the small businesses did. Just like you're saying, whether it's the, you know, Pizza Hut or Domino's down the street or any of these Amazon, I mean, Amazon probably knows what you read, when you read it, what products you're buying for your house, how often you buy them. I mean, think about how much they know about you. And again, even though it's not a sweet sounding voice, when they email you or or touch, reach out to you and say, your product will be there tonight at six o'clock, it's pretty comforting to know that it's going to be on your doorstep at six o'clock. They're very much a part of your life. And I think these other businesses that are getting good at using their databases are, are similarly positioned. And it's important that the small businesses have the same tools. So we were really trying to bring the tools used by big businesses down to a small business price and capability. And this piece of software, Thrive, is really designed to be easy enough for the small business to use. It's not super complicated. In fact, it's not complicated at all. A little bit of training and, you know, it's just another piece of, it's another app really sitting on your phone, yeah. um, you know, and uh, and it's a way for the small business to, again, to, comp- uh, to communicate with today's customers who are living on their smartphones and for them to be able to um, uh, acquire and retain them. And so that was the mission we set out really was to empower the small businesses to compete in today's you know, co- uh, landscape and do it at a price point and in a way they can you know, handle. So we have, you know, we have salespeople on the phone, we have salespeople out in the field, we can demo this for people who want to just you know, do an online demo and then um, they can have uh, 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 an online um, uh, on-ramping, onboarding process where we have people who you know walk you through it, make you comfortable. We have live support for you if you you know get lost or need help. So we try to make it as easy as possible for a small business to be successful at this. And you know we have over forty thousand small business customers now and growing uh, using the software. And, and you know it's it's been very successful. And they you know many stories about how it's helped them uh, mm-hmm. you know save time, save money. You know just a simple example. I, I think about one guy. He was one of these dog walking dog dog grooming dog walking kind of businesses in Detroit, he told me before he had Thrive, he used to drive across town to a customer to, to groom their dog or walk their dog. And sometimes he'd drive 30 minutes and then the customer, you know, the dog owner wouldn't be there. He would st- stand them up. So he'd have to go there, find out the person wasn't there and then drive home. And he would have wasted an hour in traffic uh, that he could have been making money. And with Thrive, because he sends out reminders the day before, the hour before, even 15 minutes before the appointment is scheduled, if the person can't make it, 99%, he's going to find out. They're going to ping him back and say, oops, sorry, I forgot, can't make it, let's reschedule. And that saves him that hour. And you start multiplying that by many, many sessions, it starts to matter. It's just right. one example of how it you know, helps him run his day better. Right. For business owners that are looking at a tool like Thrive, and specifically Thrive in this case, 
what size business should they be at before they consider bringing on a tool like this? Because obviously, when you're first getting started, as a everybody starts as a solopreneur. It's always starting by yourself. Uh, is it something you recommend people start with and start implementing it from day one, or is it something where you know they should grow to a certain point and then think of it as almost like hiring a team member? Like, okay, now I'm at this point, I'll bring in this tool. We have a free payment tool called Thrive Pay, which anybody could use and download today for free. And it's a way to get paid um, electronically. And it has advantages over other free payment tools because uh, basically it generally saves you money. The, the rates on the transactions are lower and it's super easy to use. Uh, it's particularly geared towards service businesses. So I think something like Thrive Pay you could use day one as a brand new business. Thrive is something I, th- I encourage people to check out, but I'll be honest, I would say once you have an employee, even one employee, it starts to make sense. Probably if you're on your own, sitting in your own you know, living room or garage, you could probably grab a free tool, a Google tool or some you know, free thing that maybe you, know, you can get by with. You know, you've, pre- you've seen small businesses that just use Gmail or something like that. But once, once you're beyond just yourself, and it's no longer a hobby, it's a real business, now you have an employee, I think that's when probably Thrive starts to be um, really useful. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Well, I, I want to I wanna pivot a little bit into the networking side. And before I ask you the question we like to ask everybody that comes on the show, I am really curious, you know, automating all of this is fantastic. Getting your business running in a way where you can you can act as professionally as a larger business is fantastic. How would you recommend people maintain the personal touch? You know, because getting an automated message is great, but one of the one of the things that small businesses do have is that personal connection. So how do you maintain the personal connection while also leveraging this tool? 
Yeah, and you're absolutely right. That is the advantage small businesses have if they do it well is that they can touch their customers locally and they have their familiar face that the local customers know. I think, first of all, you know, using Zoom and, and these tools, that, you know, networking tools where you can see your customers, even if they're not physically right in front of you, are powerful. And I agree with you, by the way. You know, I think people will continue to use Zoom. It's not like suddenly everybody's going to go back to the way they were before mm-hmm. the pandemic. Social media obviously is huge and uh, needs to be used by pretty much everybody. You know, depending on your category, it may be Facebook, it may be LinkedIn, it may be, you know, even Twitter or other social media platforms. But I do think having a social media presence where you're just out there saying what the business is doing. And I think a lot of businesses get sort of nervous about this. And I think it's the kind of thing where you just get started and it can be very, frankly, almost like silly things. If you're in that little doggy grooming business, I had, we had one client and she said to me, she would go to the park and she would just put up like a sign saying free dog grooming today for two hours, next two hours. Mm. And people would come by with their dogs. And the next thing you know, there's 20 dog owners there on a nice sunny day, you know, and she's busy grooming them and getting, handing out business cards and things like that. That's a simple way. If you're an outgoing person, you can just find public places where you can do that. Or if you have your own physical location, you could do that too, you know, and if, if you are a local business, you know, obviously there's, there's networking events, there's the chambers, there's the rotaries, there's those kinds of places where it's good to show up and make connections. Those are all really important things to do. And I do think these sort of free clinics or somehow getting people to come to your place is a very valuable thing. Um, <laughs> I have a son uh, who's a, a, a basketball player and um, he ran some free clinics. I couldn't believe how many people would show up with their kids for a free basketball clinic um, at the local high school or, or at the park. And he'd suddenly have 30, 40 prospects just because right. he ran a free basketball clinic for an hour. So people like that kind of stuff. Right. That's awesome. Well, it kind of, uh, the talk of networking kind of brings me to the question that we love asking everybody, which is, do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? I guess I'll cheat and I'll say both, but it's, it's very important to have, uh, I think, mentors uh, who can, um, you know, give you uh, kind of a leg up or help um, and to try to take advantage of that when you have uh, people in your life who can, who can help you. So that's very, very important. It's also very important to have your own network of, if you will, peers, um, because as you think about stages of your life, it's nice to have people to connect with and get advice from, give advice to, and who you have some history with where, you know, you're down the road and you want to talk to somebody who remembers you from five years ago or 10 years ago and has seen your journey and can help you, you know, think through things. That's super, super valuable as well. It's also important, obviously, for you to get some skill set that makes you desirable. I mean, you, you, you do have to have some learnings. And so, you know, I think most people end up getting both because as you move along your journey, you do learn things and you do also meet people. So luckily you don't have to choose really. So, you know, I know Travis would say who, you know, he's probably a better networker than me, but um, no, I I, I do think both are are really important, but I I, I have seen during the course of my life that um, uh, it's good to stay in touch with people who can give you good advice and, and hopefully give you a little help along the way. Sure. What value do you think there is with like paid? I know you mentioned like going to rotary clubs, community events, you know, free clinics, things like that. Um, what benefit do you think there is to like potentially paid masterminds, paid networking opportunities where you, you know, pay for proximity to somebody who might be on the next level up? Uh, do you see value in that? Or do you prefer to stay within um, kind of those initial, like going to meetings that are free and, and kind of connecting that way? Yeah, that's interesting. 
I'll be honest, I haven't done a ton of that myself where I've paid to attend. I've paid to attend professional conferences, so that, I suppose, but in terms of paying to access a group of people as a mastermind group, I haven't done so much of that. But I know people who swear by it and who say sometimes that's been the greatest thing they've done you know, to gain access to somebody. Uh, I, I was talking to a woman the other day who's uh, sort of in the sales world, and she had paid to attend a, an annual event with Richard Branson there, and, and mm. she said he you know, it's like he turned a light bulb on in her life and she saw things differently forever more. So she would tell you that was the best money she ever spent probably. So I don't want to diminish it. And I think probably, you know, you just have to be careful that it's, if you're going to spend, especially if you're going to spend a lot of money, that you make sure it's really the kind of group you want to be part of. And, and, and it's something that um, you're pretty confident is going to lead to something for you. But sure. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, when people charge you for things, it's not only always because they need to uh, make the money to, to pay for costs, also to keep the right people in and the wrong people out, yeah. if you will, in the sense of they, they, they want to show you're serious. They don't want people who aren't serious about it. So they charge you to make sure you're really thought about, and you're really committed. And you know that makes sense, right? You want right. people, if it's that type of thing. If Richard Branson's going to spend an hour or 20 people, he wants to make sure they really want to be there, right? <laughs> right, right. You mentioned like having that light bulb moment and that is what makes it worth it. You know, if whatever the amount is, if you have a, a piece of information, even if it's one talk or one side conversation that yields you 10xing your business, you know, it's it's well mm-hmm. worth well worth mm-hmm. it. Um, I'm curious if you've ever had one of those light bulb moments with one of your people in your network or if you've ever had uh, maybe one piece of advice that you feel helped you get to the next level in, in your business? Hmm. You know, I've, I've certainly been privileged to spend time with, I think, some really, really great business leaders. And I would say I've gotten a lot of advice along the way that's helped me. And, and I've tried to impart that on certainly my kids and other people uh, I've known. In terms of one moment, one word, you know, that's hard to say. I don't know that I can say there's been one sentence someone uttered that changed my life. But I think the in some ways, it's watching people's the way they've behaved as much as what they've said. That's really been important mm. to me. You know, the way you sort of mo- you know people model certain types of behavior. Um, and I will say one thing here that that um, as maybe as an example, as a young person, I think this is very very common today. You're very tempted to sort of jump to the nearest thing, whether it's relationships or jobs. You know, you look at a lot of people's resumes today who are 27 years old and they've already had six jobs or something like that. You know, and every 10 months they have a new job or, you know, six months or whatever. My, uh, you know, my, I, I've seen that. And, and when I've looked at people who've been successful, even though it seems a bit old fashioned, maybe they've generally been pretty consistent. They've mm-hmm. often they've been married to the same person for decades. Um, and very often they've been in the same job or with the same organization anyway for decades, or if not the exact same organization, they've been in the same industry for decades, you know, that they've, they've established a consistent pattern where they've established those relationships you're talking about. They've built up a body of knowledge. They've got a track record and they're good at something, you know? And, and that's something that I think I've come to as well. Um, I've now basically been doing the same, been in the same industry for over 20 years, really close to 30, been married to the same woman for almost 30 years. And you know, there's there's a lot to that. It does it does have benefits rather than constantly flitting around and trying new things. And I, you know, again, when people are young, that's part of being young. But I do think at a certain part, point, you have to start to realize, hey, maybe I should stick with something. Yeah, it, it's consistency definitely compounds over time for sure. And and I I think that there's a lot of people who jump around more than they should. 
but I also love that you mentioned, like, you know, when you're younger and you're first figuring it out, you know, whether that means young age-wise or young in business, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you have to you have to take some time to navigate and see which of these lanes do you want to be consistent in because you don't want sure. to do something you hate for for 20 years. Right. I heard uh, we we had a guy on today uh, for our expert Q and A. His name is Zenas Chin. He's a he's a branding and and marketing expert. Helped a lot of really big YouTube channels, and he gave a piece of advice he had received from one of his mentors. And he was saying the best fighter pilots that had the best amount of planes shot out of the air, they didn't shoot when they had 100% accuracy. They would shoot when they had 80% and then adjust. And and I thought that was such a good example of like aiming generally in the direction you want to go and then slowly aiming in closer and closer to that to that main target. And, and that's exactly, it, it goes to show how the world works is that you're repeating that same kind of information. But mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's, knowing where you want to go and then getting more and more clear and consistent in that direction over time. Mm-hmm. I think that's super, super valuable. I, I want to be respectful of your time. So I'm going to go ahead and move us into our random round section. Uh, I'm curious oh, to get fun. some of these, uh, these uh, quick random questions with, with some quick random answers. The first question I have is what profession other than your own, do you think it would be fun to attempt? Well, you know, if I could play center field for the Yankees or, you know, you know, uh, starting guard for, their, you know, the Knicks or the 76ers, that would be great. But, uh, no, in, in terms of other professions, I've been fortunate part of my career to be involved in um, transactions with businesses. We've our, our company, we've actually done quite a bit of mergers, acquisitions. We bought a lot of companies. Um, and I've always loved the financial side of the business as well as just the marketing and product side of the business. Uh, and for me personally, uh, if I probably had had an alternate career, it probably would have been more in that finance space where uh, I could be more uh, directly involved day to day in uh, those kinds of, you know, sort of basically M&A or investments. Uh, I just find that world really interesting. Uh, it's always been interesting. And of course, it's a big part of almost any business you're in. I mean, in the space we're in SaaS software you know, half the thing is about, you know, getting the right valuation and getting the right investors. So that's always right. a big part of uh, almost any business today. So I guess maybe that's one I'd say. Gotcha. Gotcha. If you could sit on a park bench with anybody past or present for an hour and ask them anything, who would it be and why? Wow. Yeah. Such a great question. Moses would be high on my list. Um, really? You know, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, he, he had a pretty interesting career, you know, leading, you know, the Israelites out of the you know, Egypt and uh, getting the tablets from Mount Sinai. But um, in terms of more current figures, um, I'd probably say Churchill. I think mm-hmm. Churchill's maybe the most interesting person of sort of modern times. I mean, I think, um, uh, I mean, he's had tons of biographies written about him, so it's hard yeah. to say he hasn't been fully appreciated. But maybe today, people aren't as appreciative. But, you know, I've read a lot about him. And you know, probably the darkest days of the past hundred years were, you know, if you were living in Britain when the Nazis were overtaking Europe and the bombing of Britain, the things we complain about today don't even compare to what yeah. they lived through day after day after day. Can you just imagine in your city bombs raining down on you day after day after day, barely being able to sleep, not knowing if you woke up in the morning, is there going to be water? Is there going to be food? Uh, it was just, and it was just indiscriminate. And he had, the courage, the fortitude to lead that country out of that and actually eventually to victory. And, you know, it's just true leadership. And it's yeah. just, it's just really, really rare to see that. And, um, 
you know, he would be somebody I would very interested to meet. Right. I, I know you mentioned obviously a lot of biographies. Um, I'm curious, what's your favorite way to learn? Is it through books, blogs, podcasts, videos? What's your favorite way to consume that type of content? Yeah. I'm a junkie for information generally. So I like all of those things. And I think they all have their place. I listen to a lot of podcasts because I like to walk. And so when I'm out walking, I love to listen to podcasts. It's a great way to get my mind stimulated and get some exercise too. But I do find maybe just because I'm a little bit older that reading a book to me is actually better way to absorb the information and retain it. So that's probably still my favorite. You know, I got to, you got to find the time, but um, yeah, reading, reading, printed matter still actually works for me. Right, right. Yeah, physical books I feel like are irreplaceable. I've tried doing digital, I've tried doing audiobook, and one of the past guests was laughing because I was they were saying that they liked reading physical books, they liked audiobooks and um you know, I, I listen to some now because sometimes when I'm prepping for podcasts I have to listen to a book, so I I you know, it's able to go through it a little bit quicker. And uh, I told him, I said, sometimes I'll get the physical book and listen to it through the audiobook mm-hmm. while I'm reading and mm-hmm. like just to really get into it. And uh, so they, they laughed at me a little bit for nerding out. But I was like, it's, it is nice, almost like a classroom setting, hearing an author read their book while yeah. you're reading along with them. It's, it's, for me, it's been, if I really want to retain somebody if I'm struggling to understand something, that's kind of my go-to means. But physical books all the way, I'm, I'm with you there. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. What does that look like for you? I try to exercise the minute I wake up, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, once you get, you know, your teeth brushed. But I, I find if I can't do that first thing, then I never get to it during the day. So I try to, I try to basically roll out of bed, you know, brush my teeth, and then, and then hit the gym. I, we actually have a little bit of a home gym now, and I'm able to, you know, kind of work out at home. Uh, but I really try to do something every day. And my routine, I kind of vary with that. You know, I, I, I don't do the same routine every day, but I always want to do something just about every day um, just to get the body moving. So that's probably, you know, part one. And then uh, once I've gotten through that and, you know, quick shower, um, I try to quickly go through emails just to make sure I'm caught up on, you know, anything that happened overnight, you know, and I don't do that for too long, but I, I, I you know, anything that needs to be immediately reacted to, I do, or texts, obviously, uh, but just make sure I, I hit everything that needed my attention. And then for the first couple hours of the day, I would say that's, I'd like to try to do my thinking work then, because that's when I'm sort of the clearest. And uh, so if I can carve out a couple hours in the morning where I can do any kind of thinking work that's required, you know, I can't always be the master of my schedule. Sometimes people schedule meetings. I just have to do them. But um, if I can, if I can carve out at least an hour or two to do my my thought processes and, and more more you know thinking work, I do that. And then you know usually quick bite at midday, and then the afternoon is more the meetings or catching up on uh, things that you know require my input. Um, that's what I'll do in the afternoon. Awesome, awesome. Do you have a go-to pump-up song that you do? Maybe when you're doing those workouts. Um, yeah. The killers, human. Gotcha. I don't. <laughs> I don't know that song. <laughs> you'd recognize it. I need to you'd, check recognize, it out. you'd recognize it if if you if you heard it. It's it's funny. It's not like Rocky or something like that, but it's got a great beat. So I I try. Part of my routine is I try to do a lot of push ups. It's a great push up song. If you ever needed a push up song, try the killers, human. Well, I haven't done push ups in a bit, but I'll check out the song. Maybe I'll get in the mood. Uh, what is something you're not very good at? Oh gosh, my wife would tell you there's a lot of things I'm not very good at. I'm probably let, let's put it. I put, I'd like to try to put things in a positive, and I'd say things I'd like to be better at. And I really need to be better at um, staying in touch with people. I really need to be better at staying in touch with people. I tried to do it, but I know what, my wife's a real great relationship person, and I watch how connected she is. 
people. So I really think as a thing to work on is I, I should do a better job of, of, of staying in touch with people and just trying to, you know, stay uh, com communicating. That, that would probably be, um, that would probably be, a, 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 you know, sometimes I let the day-to-day -day things, you know, crowd out, you know, these, these things where, you know, trying to stay in touch with people who are important in your life. Yeah. In, in the spirit of staying in touch with people, what is the best place for people to connect with you online and, uh, and hold you accountable to this, uh, this new goal of networking? <laughs> yeah, probably email or text, to be honest with you. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, I would say, you know, with phone calls today, but unless I immediately recognize the number that's calling me and it's somebody who I need to speak to, you know, I tend to ignore because there is so much spam, you know, and stuff like Almost that. Almost all spam, it feels like at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's just very hard to pick up a phone because somebody who's going to try to waste, you know, your time, sell you something. Uh, so uh, email and text is, is, is perfectly fine. And, um, you know, I, I do love getting, uh, you know, especially if it's somebody who I haven't talked to in a while, uh, an email out of the blue or text out of the blue, just wanting to get in touch. So I welcome those. Awesome. Awesome. What's the best email for people to get a hold of you? Um, if they, if they have any questions, any, any, sure. anything they want to find out about thrive, anything they want to find out just about some of the resources you have for small businesses. What's yeah, the, it's pretty the easy. Person? It's just gordon.henry at thrive.com and thrive is T H R Y V. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode and chatting with me a little bit. Definitely, if you're listening, check the link in the show notes for more info about Thrive. Uh, get connected with Gordon and uh, be sure to uh, be sure to stay in touch there. Gordon, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's great talking to you. Thanks a lot, Eric. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.